Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Welcome to yet another episode of the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Clay Bowers, and I'm joined by Luke Oswald and Lorenzo Tavani. Lorenzo is an amazing chef and an up-and-coming forager extraordinaire in the Ohio region. Uh, Lorenzo, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, cool to cool to be on a podcast you know makes you feel all official and such so i appreciate <laughs> appreciate you having me on um yeah so i guess i we can start with culinary school i moved to columbus and did the culinary school thing outside of right out of out of high school and um it was an apprenticeship program so i worked at a nice restaurant here in columbus called lindy's white tablecloth kind of deal really high volume and busy and <clears throat> I've always been like a gym kind of guy um, in high school and middle school. I was into it. I was never really like super passionate about it, but it was something that I did and I knew it was kind of important and restaurant life and trying to be a gym guy are like super, you know, don't mix well at all. And I was <laughs> trying to like do the late nights and, you know, lots of bar action with all the people at work and it was just super hard for me to kind of balance that i had a couple knee surgeries and that actually just completely took me out of being able to work at the restaurant for a little bit and it got me into personal training so i got real passionate about personal training i did that for a handful of years and that got me really um down the rabbit hole of nutrition and how food affects our bodies and um, that kind of rabbit holed me 
down into like regenerative agriculture and it was like Joel Salatin and a lot of these like homesteady guys right and um the classic like uh moving your chickens behind the cow type of situation and then that <laughs> and then that <clears throat> I guess that transformed into wild foods during COVID I was back at a restaurant that was more farm to table kind of vibes working at a farm out in Johnstown near the restaurant um we had a raw milk program that I was a part of so I was milking cows and we had a bunch of pastured pigs and feeding pigs like raw milk from the dairy and spent milk and stuff and we had 35 mobile pasture raised chickens so it was like 3,000 chickens that we would move every other day to fresh pasture with this mobile electric fence and I would collect their eggs sometimes on a day by myself all by hand into plastic crates and load them up so um, that was the better part of two years and I worked at a slaughterhouse during COVID as well so butcher table with a bunch of really skilled guys that have been doing it their whole life Um, I can't say that I'm like a butcher you know I'm not but before I worked there I didn't really know where any of my stakes came from and I like went to culinary school you know I was still I went to culinary school and I was still so disconnected from all of my food because I was still like in a classroom learning about steaks but that's just not how I learn so being able to get hands-on in these different things is what really kind of enlightened me in the whole food system I guess Um, and then wild food happened in the COVID time, like very early on when I was laid off and it was like, you know, I guess it was just more on everybody's timelines and Mm -hmm. um, it sparked interest. And I started kind of, the first thing was like a ramp for me at a local Metro park that I had been like working out at for a long time. And I just had never like looked past the green. And then I started seeing like individual plants and, Mm -hmm. uh, really rabbit hole there and the cooking has always kind of been linear i've done some like private chefing for families filling their fridges with like meal prep and i do dinner parties and uh, have been starting to do some like wild food classes that are more like out in the woods and these cool outdoor venues and showing people ingredients that we're using in the dinner Um, so cooking but started from a passion of health and has kind of stayed health the entire way but transitioned into the different I guess aspects of how our bodies can be influenced and how our health can be impacted because an apple is not an apple we we all know that or like meat isn't meat right like so much of the backstory of how that thing came to be came to be is what really matters so it's kind of me in a nutshell I mean you know I guess I could go on and on and on and on and on but <laughs> maybe the longest intro ever no no it's great so a couple things um when you went to culinary school did they I mean you broke down cuts of meat but not a whole animal or what yeah we broke down cuts of meat and you know honestly I guess I could have learned more from culinary school but I was like 19 working in a restaurant with a bunch of 40 year olds, we were just like partying, you know? (laughs) And there was like one guy that I went to college with or went to college with that also worked at the restaurant. We were both doing our apprenticeships at, and we were just like up to no good, you know? Like restaurants are just, restaurants and health are not in the same like sentence, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. in all 
all, all aspects of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So have you ever been the uh, dishwasher? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I can throw down on dishes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I worked at a pizza place for a long time, did dishes, but like never was a dishwasher. Have you ever been a, uh, like in a full-time dishwasher, Clay? Yes. Actually, two two full-time jobs that I had um, in my 20s, I was a dishwasher. And um, it is the worst job you could possibly have in the Terrible. kitchen. But Nobody does, respects you. But does it not like make you better at life? Would you get really good at, because like, I know you probably tried hard to do the dishwashing thing, like it was your job. So I think that like, if you can get efficient at those kind of tasks that are really sucky and like, you know, remedial, maybe like it can apply to other things in life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like the uh, wax on wax off. It's like the uh, Mr. Miyagi kind of thing. Karate right. <laughs> I did the dough thing for a while. I was the dough boy at a pizza place and used to go in early and make all the dough and proof it and wow. put it in the fridge for everybody. But that's pretty intense. That was like uh, super early. Well, yeah, made a lot of dough. And depending on what day of the week it was, you know, towards the weekend, I'd have to double up and make more. And now I can't even eat dough. <laughs> wow. Gluten free. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. More and more people I meet. Uh, yeah, I think it's just. I probably shouldn't eat. I don't know. I mean, yeah, my stomach's not great. Could be related, <laughs> but I eat it. I think it's Maybe environmental. It. I really do. Yeah. I think that a lot of it has to do with the um, glyphosate mm-hmm. and all the pesticides and and our ruined microbiomes. Yep. Yeah. And and yeah. modifying it to where it's got way too many chromosomes versus what it used to have. Yeah. Yeah. All those factors. Stress. I think stress is something that affects more of us than what we really even know. Some of us might not even feel stressed out. And I think like our body, like our systems are being, you know. Yeah. I could see like for sure environmental stresses are a huge one. Yeah. Clay. So Lorenzo, before I met you in real life a few weeks ago, when you came to my foraging class, um, I imagined that you were just going to have like a cheesy smile on your face the whole time. And you're just going to be like doing the, this thing. And, and, and then when I met you, you were just like totally chill. No, not like that at all. Yeah. And, I was like, and I was like, man, he really like does the, uh, the Instagram cheesy thing. Like really like that's, that's your thing. Yeah. It's like a little, you know, it's a little bit of a skit. Like yeah, I, will yeah. say, I will say too, when I meet people for the first time, especially when it's like, you know, dude, it's like, I'm not meeting just like some random dude off the street, you know, I'm going to meet Clay for the first time and take his class. Right. Like that wasn't like a little thing. Yeah. Whatever. You could shake your head. But like, I was like, you know, a little reserved, right. You got to feel people out, see, see, test the waters. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, the more you get to know me, the more that goofiness comes out but <laughs> the the videos are for sure like cranked up okay yeah. <laughs> i know you're you're always encouraging me on my when i do make cheesy um instagram posts you're like yeah do it more <laughs> yeah it's fun i mean if you have fun doing it like dude i was like the class clown that some people loved in school and some people hated and mm. uh, i feel like i'm now using my powers for good rather than evil mm. you know <laughs> Because I, I have fun doing it. It's just like the goofiness is fun for me. And uh, it's like the videos are a little bit of a skit. Mm-hmm. 
I like Clay's cheesy ones. I don't like. Yeah, they're great. I don't like Clay's cringy ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're all so hard for me to do. <laughs> yeah. It's relatable. Uh, I, I forced my son to do, like, one of the first ones I did that was, like, a cringy video. I forced my son to, like, film me. And we were, we were hiking together. And I, I was that one with the Huckleberry. And I, like, oh, yeah. ran, I ran and, like, power slip yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and he was like he was like dad this is so stupid <laughs> and then that one got like so many views uh yeah it's like i mean i don't know i guess instagram's a weird place it's a weird it place yeah it is <laughs> you know uh, yeah so speaking of instagram you do a lot of cooking for instagram are you um what are you getting into What's your next big project you're coming up with? Um, I've been playing with vinegars, making vinegars from scratch. So I've got a like an apple scrap vinegar and a persimmon vinegar and a wild plum, wild grape vinegar situation going. So they're all at different stages. And uh, I'm going to make a green tomato vinegar with the last, last of the green tomatoes from my garden. So you know the basic like doing sugar with the water and whatever fruit that you're using you're basically making like uh alcohol and then huh? you're letting that alcohol you know stirring every day to keep the stuff um, from forming any yeasts or whatever and then uh you're letting that acidify and you're building up that acetic acid and turning into vinegar and i've got like a mother forming on my plum vinegar so that's pretty exciting because, wow. you know, it's just like my first time doing it. And I read a couple books. I got like the Noma Guide to Fermentation. And they've got some cool, crazy methods that they do that I want to try out. But it's all just like, I think a big focus for me is like, how can I utilize everything? Just like extract as much flavor. Because if you think about what I'm adding, it's like water, sugar, and fruit. And you're getting this like insanely complex vinegar afterwards that can be used in so many different ways. So name a, name a way, like I, you know, you I can, am not a chef. Yeah. Like, well, for, I mean, the easiest is like vinaigrettes, right? Like everybody puts vinegar on like a salad or something fresh like that during the spring and summer, but vinegars go great in soups. Like, you know, acidity is a good element in almost any kind of dish, just in a certain amount of volume. So like a soup would be really good. You could use it like obviously to pickle something. So you could have like a cool wild plum and grape pickled cucumber that's kind of got like a purplish hue to it or something. Um, a lot of there's like a lot of herbalist methods to use vinegars too, right? Like imagine a fire cider with not apple cider okay. vinegar, but like a cool wild crafted vinegar that you made like with persimmons or something. Um, all the colors are really beautiful. So you can add like make a drink with it. You could do vinegar and honey and some like bubbly water and there's some ice in there and if you drink you could do like gin or something like that mm -hmm. um make like a cool kind of cocktail so vinegars are really i think like a really underutilized kind of ingredient that most people don't use or they'll just drink like a shot of apple cider vinegar to be healthy but they don't use it in their cooking that that much um mustard too like i mean I could make like a whole gallon of wild plum grape uh, mustard, like fermented mustard, 
you know, right? How, like do the how, how, mustard yeah. seeds, right? Like must, you do mustard seeds and pour the vinegar over top and let them soak until they get soft and then blend them up. And then it'll be really bitter and you can let it age for a couple of weeks. And then you have like your own, you know, vinegar that you made, your own mustard. And like the next level, right, would be growing your own mustard plant, you know, your own mm -hmm. mustard grains, harvesting the seeds, making your own mustard and vinegar, and then making your own <laughs> mustard Clay, out of Clay, the plant. I'm going to need some. I'm gonna need some wild mustard seeds, bud. Like a whole bag of them. Yeah, um, literally. You guys, are you guys are talking to the wrong guy. You know, you know who we need to be talking to about this Pascal. is, um, yeah, Pascal or um, our next week guest, uh, Jess Starwood. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. We'll be somebody out in Cali where there is a bunch of wild mustard. Yeah. So, like, have you have either of you guys seen the wild mustard that's overtaking like all of Los Angeles? No. I've been recently and I probably have saw have seen it but did not realize that that's what it was. Yeah, so they have it, wild mustards like a, a few different species but they're literally everywhere. Wow. And 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 I've I've actually thought that it would be a really good like some like capitalist with like a an entrepreneur like go out there and just like harvest tons and tons of mustard seeds for exactly what you just said just to yeah. make mustard that'd be i mean that'd be baller i would <laughs> you know you could do these cool little drops on online on a website you know it's like i have 10 jars of this you know super foraged but like fermented mustard if it's an cool. ecological problem though there's yeah. probably grants for yeah. that okay so now you're getting a grant to restore habitat then taking and making a product and selling it kind of like the yopon in texas mm -hmm. to where you're actually restoring the houston toad or whatever habitat or whatever it is or the austin toad habitat and there's a grant yeah, but... for that restoration so then like the guy from lost pines yopon that's what they do they get a grant they go in they clear a piece of property they're getting paid money to clear it out and then in return they're selling all this wonderful yopon holly too Wow. Yeah. But uh, um but the Yopan is native. That's where it's weird. It's native, but it's because what is it? It's because of the loss of habitat due to the expansion of homes and everything. They're like, well, mm. you know, if we can if we can reduce it, we can we can uh help help save the habitat. Yeah. They need to start having those uh vomiting ceremonies again. You know, where they use lots of Lots and lots of uh, yopon. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. How, okay, you know how. Um, so I'm sure I, I actually didn't hear that podcast, but I'm sure Jason said it. The name, the scientific name, is Ilex vomitoria. You know, okay. so um, so that's because they say um, they they gave it that name on purpose. It was like a conspiracy to uh stop people from wanting to drink yopan because it was actually putting such a ding into the pocketbook of the people who are um trading for tea so oh, um, okay. so so they said that it made people puke and then there was like all these like i think they were like urban legends about people drinking like like native people used to drink like massive amounts to make themselves vomit and then they named it ilex vomitoria really yeah. Wow. I did not know that one. Okay. It's yeah. good. History with Clay right there. Yeah. Clay, you always <laughs> drop one on me every single time. Just when I think I've 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 peeled back all the layers of the onion 
There's another layer there. Every yeah, how long time. have you guys known each other? Four years, uh, I think. Yeah, maybe something like that. About four okay. years, Clay and I have known each other. Um, hit it off, actually. He was a guest on the podcast. Kept in touch. Went and hung out once. Tried to film some stuff for a show that I wanted to do. Um, went on a hunting trip together. Um, we'd hang out a hell of a lot more if you were closer, Clay. Yeah, we would. <laughs> Me and him are both uh, millennials, which uh, uh, I was I, just thinking about earlier today. Not that's own such, that. Yeah, no, I me don't. neither. I, we're the very first year of millennial, and I, I reject it hardcore. Wow. I, 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 I don't identify as a millennial. <laughs> what do you identify as? <laughs> I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. For okay, sure. Okay. sure. How yeah. old are you? I'm 40. Yeah. Yep. You're this, 40. This month yeah. I turned 40. So, okay. like, what is it, Gen X? When does the Gen X and the. So Gen X is supposed to end in like 82 and I was born in 83. (laughs) uh, You're on the cusp. Yeah. I'm a cusp. Just lie. Enough people around the world lie about their age. I mean, just literally, I don't think change your age. Nobody's ever going to see your birth certificate. I don't think we have to lie about it though. Cause if you hang around us long enough, you're like, Oh, these dudes totally grew up as Gen Xers. I mean, (laughs) and I'm sure it was the same for clay, but it was completely unsupervised all summer long. Uh, street yeah. lights came on. You knew you had to be at somebody's house, probably not even your own. Uh, yeah. You know, fed yourself. I started thinking about it. My kids, like, they can make minimal things compared to, like, I was cooking full on meals at probably eight years old. Wow. I was not doing that. I mean, no, it, no, no, it might I, have yeah. been like mac and <laughs> cheese or something, but, <laughs> but uh, I remember I was definitely making food, feeding myself. Like, you've been posting some awesome looking meals lately, man. Yeah. Um, Lorenzo, how old are you? I'm 26. 26. So you yeah. are, is that, is that millennial? No. Are you, are, no. are you, are, you're That's a, a Gen Z like... or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gen Z, Gen Z, I guess. Okay. Or, yeah. Or maybe on the cusp. Actually, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I haven't like looked too hard into the classification. <laughs> you're, like a, <laughs> you're like a millennial with a Gen Z rising. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to get into the astrology of it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Add uh, that layer on. Are you going to ask me my sign next? <laughs> no, no, no. So the, the, <laughs> uh, the reason I was going to ask is because, like, how was your childhood compared to what, like, uh, Luke or what I just described? Or, you know, he described our childhoods as being like. So you said you didn't cook, but how was your childhood? Yeah, I grew up doing outdoor vacations with my family mostly so it was like hiking trips and kayak trips and uh, my uncle had a boat so we would go like rent boat houses and do boating trips and um, it was a lot of that and you know when you're younger you're just like allowed around for the ride like I wasn't like passionate about you know the outdoors when I was young or anything I was just like hanging out with my cousins and then I guess even through high school I guess I lost some of that we stopped going on as many trips but friends would go we would go hang out and do hiking uh you know hit the woods hit parks close by but it was nothing like you know I wasn't I didn't have any kind of real connection with the outdoors that's kind of happened later on I always liked it but it was never something I guess I was conscious of or you know Mm -hmm. acknowledged it was just there Okay. But isn't it funny how that sort of set you up for later in life? 
Like, um, I, I actually think about that a lot with my own kids. You know, they might complain a lot about being in the woods, but um, you mentioned this to me when we when we saw each other that you came up and you were camping and it was really chilly that night that you camped and how uh, your girlfriend was going to come, but then she didn't because she was like, ah, I don't want to yeah. do that. But you grew up in a way that it actually kind of primed you for being able to camp in the cold and yeah, just, it's just like, eh. yeah. yeah, no problem. So that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, it's, it is really cool. My my family's so happy about it too. They love to see it, you know, because like my grandma grew up foraging morels, right? Like that was her mushroom that she grew up foraging. But my grandma, now, I mean, massive garden growing up. My mom had two smaller raised beds, but my grandma had like a fifty foot by forty foot garden for years and years and years and as they've gotten older it's gotten smaller but they still have gardens and mm -hmm. they've grown enough food to give the whole family vegetables like the asparagus the squashes all that kind of stuff everybody's getting you know a surplus of all the extra veggies so that's been there too you know lots of lots of influence it's like i didn't really have a choice to end up to not end up the way i did you know <laughs> but you were car camping right is that what you did? Yeah, when you I, I car camp. Love I car, car camping camp. in the winter is the best. It's, it's yeah, way yeah. better than summertime. I get too hot. <laughs> I, uh, it was the first time, really first weekend I've done it. It's cool. I think the, definitely an option for when me and my girlfriend go and do stuff. The, yeah. the tent's cool, but if you're just doing a night, it's easy to just pop down the seats and, you know, pull, pull up a, a couple pads or whatever. Back, right. back seat's pretty big. I got a Subaru Outback, so it works out. <laughs> Subi life. You got, yeah. you could totally just make a little platform in there. And there's a, a whitetail hunter that I know that, that does that. And he's a public land nomad with just the freaking, uh, folds down the seats in the Subaru and puts it in there. And he's got the, his gear on one side of him and he sleeps right on the other side of it and goes all over the place. It works out yeah, pretty cool. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With my little camp stove, you know, if I, I, if I get dangerous enough with my prepacking and planning and stuff, like. We, we could be pretty good for a while out of a cooler. <laughs> it's fun. I have a lot of fun, like planning the meals, and thinking about how the different things can be used. And So uh, speaking of that, I saw you recently yeah. took a trip to Chicago as well. And you plan, yeah. I don't know if you released all those videos or not yet, but uh, can you kind of yeah, talk about that and what vlog. you were doing? Yeah. So Chicago was, um, my girlfriend got tickets to see a group that she likes and we went to Chicago five years ago just for a little weekend trip to eat at a couple cool restaurants and I figured I might as well tag along with her uh when she went on the show to the show so we did a couple days on either end and drove the car out stayed at an Airbnb but it had like a minimal kitchen so I brought our little camping stove and packed a bunch of meals, pre-cooked some steak and bacon and brought like duck eggs and a bunch of really awesome ingredients like homemade chili crisp and goat cheese and cilantro, like all these ingredients and like really nice salts and all my tools and gadgets and stuff. And um, our Airbnb was like in the basement of this person's house and I was cooking, like I set my stove up like on the stairs down to our airbnb in the basement was just like cooking up breakfast out there um but chicago was just for fun uh we had ate at a really nice or like a cool barbecue spot that we went to a while ago that was really nice 
a lot of barbecue spots I think lack on their sides and this one's their sides are all like seasoned well you know and super on point it's called a uh, green street barbecue and Ch- uh, green street smoked meats actually um but you know it's Chicago prices I think brisket was like 17 dollars for a half pound not a pound <laughs> a half pound wow. yeah. <laughs> so you're paying but you know it's like good portions um good quality i mean i don't know i guess like what's called it's prime you know it's like prime beef so nice mm-hmm. good corn corn fed beef um yeah <laughs> you, you know <laughs> like that's why i say quality with the quotation marks it's like it's the expensive it's the expensive grain fed beef um mm. super fatty for that good smoked you know uh deliciousness but Sadly, like there's no like grass fed beef, you know, barbecue spots. It's like mm-hmm. I would I would get I would be super down for somebody to open that, but um yeah. what else did we do in Chicago? I went to the saw the symphony orchestra on the night that she saw the uh uh went to her show, so that was pretty cool. Sat super high up on the sixth floor with a bunch of fancy people in their <laughs> suits and stuff, you know. I felt really out of place, but um it was cool. You wore yeah. a monocle. Yeah, right. I had my glasses. I had my glasses on. People were probably looking at me weird. <laughs> uh, did you? Um, how long did it take you to enter the city through the traffic? It was not bad. No. No, not bad getting in. Um, our Airbnb was like twenty-five minutes from the city, and that was a pain getting there oh, and back every time. You know. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, all right, let's limit the let's be efficient with the amount of times we have to drive to the city. You know, let's mm-hmm. limit it, and if we're gonna go down there, let's make it worth it. We're not just like going down for a little something, something. You know, we gotta <laughs> have a day planned. Um, but we were just there for like three nights, so it was a real short trip. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I made like arepas with this cool masa that this uh, pop-up company just started so this company is these two um these two young people that are kind of my age are making uh tortillas from scratch they're doing the uh, mixalization process from local corn here grown in ohio they're doing a purple and a blonde and doing fresh tortillas six packs and they're selling masa in bulk so i got some bulk Mm. masa for them to try out and ground up some cheese in it and fried it up in some pork lard with eggs and bacon and pickled red onions and goat cheese and cilantro that was breakfasts oh my Uh, god it's late then i brought potato soup (laughs) yeah freezer (laughs) freezer potato soup so we had a couple quarts of potato soup in the freezer and just took that with me and that was like ice packs kind of too. And then it thawed out and just microwaved that down in the Airbnb. So it's like, wow. I feel like I should like, you know, make a list or something for people. Cause it's like pretty, I mean, I guess I can't say it's easy, right? It takes a lot of planning, mm-hmm. um, but we traveled to Chicago and got to cool, see some cool museums and stuff and eat relatively cheap and still really good quality and, you know, go travel and do something. And not have to like sacrifice and eat like McDonald's or whatever. Mm, yeah. yeah. Be like the second people go on vacation, they're like, fuck it. I'm doing whatever I want. You know, I'm going crazy. I I sometimes can definitely be guilty of of, of that. Like where I just like, yeah, I, yeah. Occasionally I'm like gonna munch down a bag of Fritos. 
And I do too. Like, don't <laughs> think that I pack my freaking meals every single vacation. And like in between me eating awesome meals, I also might have like a dessert or something or right. Mm. Like we're eating out or something like that. <laughs> but there's ways to save big, you know, big money, mm. like packing meals, even if it's two meals a day that you pack. It's like, that's so much money compared to like getting breakfast in Chicago. It's like, what's like a breakfast cost? You know, gas was like $4 and 80 cents. Oh, 25 bucks for breakfast at yeah, you know, Starbucks. It's it's what are we doing here? Like sandwich. Three eggs for like, you know, a four egg omelet for like $14 or something probably. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So have you um, made, you've made your own fresh tortillas then with this nixtamalized corn? Uh, so I didn't make tortillas, but I made like, they're called arepas, which is, uh, it's yeah, a Colombian like, like, and yeah. um, thicker, right? Venezuelan, I think they do them in Venezuela too. Yeah, it's like a thicker, it's like kind of a patty. And I ground mm. some cheese. cheese nice. Yeah. nice. Oh, so good. They're so crispy and perfect with eggs. Yeah. Like salsa. Clay likes yeah, Mexican love... street food. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Yeah, I, yeah no, I'm. Um, He's he's joking because I, oh, I lived okay. in I, I lived in Mexico and I oh. once I once because um, I <laughs> took took nobody's advice and just ate everywhere yeah and um, I ended up getting hepatitis A Ooh. as a result <laughs> which Yikes. was you know I mean it's it doesn't last forever right yeah. like it, it that's the safest one right <laughs> like I, 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 but I, but I I did you know I was yeah. like um, yeah. I was just. I went crazy. I lived in Mexico and I, I literally, people were like, maybe you should be careful. I'm like, nah, this food's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. It just wasn't um, the most sanitary. That's all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. So, um, you know what the grossest part to think about though is, is that, um, so that passes from people fecal going, going number two <laughs> and not washing their hands. Ah. So, so yeah, I ate somebody's uh, fecal matter. Oh, when in Mexico, I guess, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. Mexico's cool. I uh, I I went to I went a couple times, and the first there was like the this whole row of food carts, and Mm -hmm. you know we got um, taco de cabeza, so we Mm -hmm. like it was just a cow's head. Yeah. And this kid with his bare hands was just like ripping off chunks of the meat from wherever, kind of blind, talking to his homie over on the other side, you know, just picking off meat, throwing it on the flat top or maybe on a cutting board, busting it up on the cutting board and then throwing it on the flat top. And dude, it was like, what, you know, I mean, I don't even remember what part of the cow had, but that thing was just sitting on a shelf above his flat top in the complete open air yeah <laughs> probably had flies around it. <laughs> <laughs> like wow you know yeah. and it wasn't like on the flat top like a super long time where i was confident that like everything could be killed off or whatever you know he was yeah. like flashing it real quick and like trying to get me on my way, <laughs> on my way. he's like it's hot here bro it's like already an ambient 90 degrees i don't have to do a whole lot to this to get it hot enough you know yeah <laughs> where in mexico the first time I went, I went to Tulum, and then the second time was uh, Oaxaca. Oh, cool. We went to, met, yeah. like, Oaxaca City, and we mostly stayed in a little town outside of Oaxaca City. 
Um, mm-hmm. Oaxaca City's a little busy. You know, yeah. it's like not not the vibe we were going for in vacation. We're like mm-hmm. trying to hang out, not be like super stimulated by a bunch of cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I've never been to either of those places. And, and okay. honestly, it's kind of, kind of funny, like many people think of Mexico as just being hot all the time. Yeah. But I, I lived in two giant cities, two of the biggest cities in Mexico. I lived in Mexico City and then I lived oh. in Guadala- Guadalajara. Okay. And um, Mexico City is like just cold a lot of times because mm. it's like uh, it's like up in a valley in a mountain. Interesting. And so um, oftentimes it'll be rainy and like in the 50s. Wow. What do they call and, that? There's a name for that, isn't it, Clay? Isn't it like a plateau effect or something to where I don't. I We're can't constantly you like it's a wind tunnel, yeah. like it, all the yeah. time because it's like at. I don't know. There's a name for it. I know there is. Yeah, but um, it. So I wasn't hot all the time. Yeah. You know, like that. Except yeah. for like during the day, it can magically be like 85 degrees, and then at nighttime it drops down to like in the 30s in Guadalajara. Right. Yeah, yeah, the, de- the real desertous areas like that. Real dry, right? Is there yeah. nothing? nothing for the heat to hold on to is that kind of yeah, it's just no clouds you know like no cloud no moisture yeah. yeah so like um i don't know if you ever noticed this but like um in the winter time say you you wake up you look outside um and you see it's a sunny sunny day in february what do you think is going to be like when you get outside warm warm well, oh okay no. well no, 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 no i mean well no i mean cold like i know it's going to be cold but uh you know. When I see when I see a sunny day in the winter, I'm like, oh, oh boy, it's gonna be frigid outside. Oh really? Yeah, because like the clouds will hold in the will hold in the uh, the warmth. Oh. So and that's the same that's the same case for places like in Guadalajara. That's why like it'll be 85 degrees, and then once the nightfall hits, it's just like it drops instantaneously, like down into the 40s. Wow! Because you there's know? nothing for the heat to hold on to. Yep. So it just like doesn't. There's like the the clouds like keep it in, but without clouds, it just totally flies away. And that's why I always say like you know you look outside in the middle middle of winter and it's not cloudy. You're like, boy, it's going to be cold outside. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a good tip right there. <laughs> yeah. So Lorenzo. But, uh, oh, sorry. No, as I say, that's uh, just most uh, people don't, don't 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 most people don't need to uh, use that tip because they have a weather app yeah that's right. one that'll stick with me forever that's a good one i like that that's cool <laughs> right on so what are you collecting this time of year like uh as far as foraging and stuff like that what do you what are you most looking forward to right now or, or coming up the uh, persimmons have been just like exploding for the last month and i'm overwhelmed and excited about it but it's like so hard for me to just see this tree just dropping all the fruit and nobody else coming to get it so i've got like uh close to two gallons of pulp frozen and um i don't do like any i don't (laughs) gonna do like breads and um i want to do a barbecue sauce oh barbecue sauce with one of my homemade vinegars is the idea um or like 
On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You know, like caramel sauces, I think. I don't know. Baked goods is like everybody's default. When you look up persimmon recipes, it's always cakes and muffins and breads. And Mm. I think it's good that way. Um, But barbecue sauce sounds really cool. I saw a barbecue sauce recipe and that kind of sparked my, you know, it's like you could do chili peppers, get some heat going in there and mustard and vinegar uh, I think it could be really good and sweet and tangy kind of vibe. Do some pork. I'm thinking pork persimmon chili. Persimmon. That'd be good. That could be good. People do pumpkin chili. Mm-hmm. You know, persimmons are weird when you cook with them because they have um, pectin, a lot of pectin in them, or they thicken up when they cook. Maybe it's not pectin. Um, but I added some citrus and was heating some because I thought I was going to can it. And then it got super congealed. It was really mm. hard for me to work with. So it actually thickened your chili then? It may, yeah, it may, it may would thicken your chili. I don't even know if you could add enough to have persimmon flavor before it would like thicken mm. your chili too much. Because you know? I always throw mm. a potato like, in to use the starch to thicken my chili. Oh, that's, that's a good idea. And then my wife and I always fight over the potato. We call it the potato surprise because whoever gets in there first gets the potato out of it. <laughs> Oh, you just do one whole potato? Uh-huh. Throw it in and just oh, let wow. it go for a few hours, like six hours or whatever. And over time, all That's the starches come out and they thicken it up. Wow. Yeah, you but, just cook it to hell, right? Yeah. It just kind of yeah. almost disintegrates nearly. It's it's still whole, but, I mean, you could take a oh, spoon okay. and just, like, core, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. I like uh, – my. I grew up with my family putting potato chunks all throughout the chili. So it's like – Oh, potatoes well, it makes chili. sense too then. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it's like, you know – you kind of do need a carb in there. You get a carb, your protein and your beans and you know, yep. you got the whole thing going on in there. You got your <laughs> tomatoes as your fruit, like chop up some wild greens and you got the whole, the whole deal in your chili. You know, okay, chili so- is where I like to put a lot of uh, like organ beads. I think liver is the mm. chili is one of the best places to hide liver flavor. If people don't like liver. Do you like liver on its own? Uh, I don't, I'm like, I'm not going to get down with a plate of liver and onions. No, I'm not that kind of guy. I'll do pate. Pate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pate all day long. Yeah. Pate is something too that does use vinegar, right? You can do some vinegar in there. Uh, A lot of people do lemon juice or like mustard will usually provide that like tanginess, but Mm -hmm. a pickled, a pickled something will go really well with like pate and sourdough for instance but okay. pate is great you can do like wild mushrooms with your beef liver and just add a whole array of umami awesome earthy flavors yeah so luke did you save your uh liver nope ah oh, come on man he just shot a deer the other day and he didn't save his liver damn if i was yeah. closer i would come get it from you dude well yeah. i could have shot another Next one tonight, time. but I yeah. could have shot another. Yes, you I passed. Passed. I did. We'll talk about yeah. that later, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, you mean before 
we'll talk about that before yes um, before <laughs> but no, uh so lorenzo what's wild game looking like for you is it something uh in the future that's definitely in the cards or what uh wh what are your thoughts on that definitely interested uh i feel a little discouraged being in ohio i think mean, <laughs> it's like a very we're very low on the list of public land and that mm -hmm. doesn't mean i can't travel somewhere but it is always nice to have stuff close by i think makes it more accessible at least we have some state parks but because there's so little public land in ohio it's just really overran doesn't mean i couldn't find some private people and you know we're gonna do uh i think i'm gonna go down and do the hog hunt and Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. February with you, which I'm excited nice. for. So definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely want to find a hunter who can like hook me up with squirrels and stuff to use in my dinners because mm. I would really love that. I think that would be a really cool kind of thing to introduce people to. Introduce myself. I mean... I don't know where to get a squirrel, you know? I would love to start playing around with squirrel and uh, recipes and stuff. And I think, like, the real answer to that is, like, I just need to figure out ways to start killing some squirrels. Right? So, so have you ever <laughs> eaten squirrel then or no? I haven't. Highly I've underrated. I'll agree with Clay on that. It's highly underrated. Yeah. I love dark meat. And I know squirrels got, like, that real dark meat kind of vibe. And, I mean, I've only heard good things from uh you know a lot of good cooks like alan burgo loves it so i'm like all right dude i'm down if you're if you're into squirrel and you know like let's do it my son my son shot one tonight and um we I, we were coming home from squirrel and or we were coming home from school <laughs> squirrel <laughs> and, and, uh, and i uh and i he asked if we could go hunting and i had the 22 in the car and uh and I said, uh, you know, it was his 22. So I said, yeah, sure, let's pop. And we we went hunting and um, we brought my dog, which was his first time ever seeing a squirrel get shot out of a tree. Wow. And he he went nuts. I mean, he was like, <laughs> yeah. he is a, he, he's a squirrel hunting dog. So he was like obsessed, you know, he's like, oh my God, this thing was in that tree. And, um, but yeah, so then we got home and uh, Madeline was making, uh, we had a, like jar upon jar of uh, sourdough breadcrumbs and and since we just moved a few months ago we're like trying to condense everything and, and kind of like get rid of things that are unnecessary so she made all these drumsticks tonight and then so my son skinned the squirrel and then i took off the two back legs it was a pretty big squirrel and um we breaded them in the sourdough breadcrumbs or i should say she breaded them in the sourdough breadcrumbs and then um fried up some like squirrel drumsticks do you, so, do you braise them or bake them or anything first? I mean, typically so, they could be pretty tough. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say is uh, normally I would like braise them for like 45 minutes and then put like breading on them mm. and then do that whole process. But tonight we were just like, it was just like, oh, let's just do it. So me and my son are sitting there going like tonight with each of our <laughs> one, <laughs> you know, like, just like testing the durability out. of the teeth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You guys probably have like you know they talk about underdeveloped jaws and our soft food, right? You guys probably have some pretty developed jaws in that family. <laughs> so um, that's yeah. great. 
I, yeah, I think that, that that whole story is cool. My son skinned the squirrel and then we cooked it up for dinner. Like, I love mm. that. That's pretty awesome. I think we have like 10 or 11 squirrels in the, fr- in the freezer right now. And um, I think that we just basically, we were going to do the drum, the chicken drumsticks anyway. So it was just like, oh, let's just add these two back legs, you know. Do you, um, you know, do you use, are you making stock out of the rest of it? Like, what do you, what did you doing with your squirrel? So, okay. So typically what we're going to do, and I'm not a chef, you know, like, yeah. but um, yeah. I do, I do benefit from having Madeline who's pretty good, pretty good at cooking. And um, what we do with squirrels a lot of times is we just throw like five, six or seven into the crock pot, um, cook them, basically make a broth, but then um, pull the meat off the bones at that point. And that gets used in other recipes like squirrel pasties or, mm-hmm. you know, squirrel and rice soup you know things like that nice that's awesome just get it nice and cooked and then use it whatever way you want lorenzo i'm gonna have to come to uh ohio and we'll shoot some squirrels and we'll make some like squirrel tamales or something Ooh, that would would be be good yeah (laughs) squirrel tacos even with this awesome fresh masa tinga squirrel tinga tacos (laughs) 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 yeah so um you guys, you guys are uh, back to the persimmons really quick. Yeah. You guys are basically kind of um, even with each other, aren't you, Luke? Like uh, as far as like um, on the parallel. I think so, he's like, a little further north of me. I don't know. I I have yet oh, no, to you're, find. You're north of me. Oh, am I? But it is oh. very close. It yeah. is very close. Very yeah. very close. Okay, so why can't you find persimmons, Luke? I don't know. Maybe I'm just no. an idiot. Maybe they've already <laughs> fallen. Uh, maybe I like oaks too much to because i'm not going to go out of my way to find persimmons this time of year as you know clay i have laser focus with add so looking for my talkie so i'm hyper fixated on deer right now but because so because i'm hyper fixated on that but then i get squirrel sidetracked and we'll look for hens and different things like that but i'm not going out of my way to look for anything or forage for anything right now it's it's deer time it's it's yeah. freezer filling time that's cool yeah you know i i guess you're filling your freezer with um deer meat i'm filling mine with persimmon pulp you're gonna live a whole lot longer than I. <laughs> but yours, hey man life is gonna be so much sweeter for you <laughs> i guess so yeah we need to figure out a way to trade yeah persimmon <laughs> for sure vinegar would be, oh my gosh the barbecue sauce with venison would be so good I'll save a whole leg. See, I should have shot that deer tonight. Now I'm regretting it, but I could have saved a whole leg. We could be like the flip-flop guy. And you ever seen that? Have you seen the flip-flop guy? It's the flip-flop barbecue guy is what he's called. And it's the only person I've ever seen do this, but he will barbecue an entire deer leg. And, and he does it and slices it off and he's got his little mop and he, in a bucket and he keeps mopping his, you know, vinegar or whatever it is over it. And, you know, and yeah. just does that and then slices it off. But in my head, I just see it being really tough because you've got all those different cuts of meat on the hind. You know, you've got your mm-hmm. ham, the, you know, the rump roast, all your, your, uh, all the different roasts like that. And so I don't know, but he does it and slices it up and all the, you know. Hey, I, I, I imagine that like maybe some of it isn't like the, 
perfect texture. Maybe some is a little under and maybe some is a little over, but it's kind of badass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> like, could you imagine having that for a party and just laying that out on the table? I mean, yeah, that is just big old whole deer roasted like. vegetables. <laughs> yeah, epic. I think like that needs to be a new way of dining. Um, I mean, the dinners that I do are all family style, but I think it would just be so cool to have those like old school feasts where it's just like all down the middle of the table, just like whole vegetables roasted and seasoned really well and tons of cool sauces. And you just like grab all these awesome, like well-cooked ingredients, but just left so whole and minimal, you know, whole legs and whole chuck roast roasted out on the table. Such a fun way of eating. I'm digging it. We did have a feast, foragers totally. feast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, do that at like a wild food festival. Just lay a bunch of cooked food out on a table and just let all the attendees go wild. So speaking <laughs> of that, we're actually we're doing one. Publicly challenged is uh, putting one together, and Clay's going to be there whether he likes it or not. Uh, <laughs> contract, contractual obligations now. Sorry, Madeline. Um, yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, we're actually putting one together and uh, it's going to be pretty epic. Cool. And it's also going to have that's hunting awesome. hunting and fishing and stuff incorporated into it too. Yeah, that seems to be slightly lost in the um, um, festival world or these like events, right? There's not a, or, or not on my radar, at least like hunting and fishing mixed in with the foraging and wild food. It usually seems to be like wild food foraging and the hunting and fishing is not often included yep yep um the great lakes foragers gathering the great lakes foragers gathering this year did have the um uh some native people did a whole beaver cooking demonstration oh cool and they brought yeah and that was uh that was pretty cool there's the anishinaabe woman and she did uh she skinned and prepared two beavers in this like traditional uh way like at the yeah, that was pretty cool. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Beavers, other... beavers blow my mind, dude. There's a, <laughs> a, par- a park close by that they are like completely like destroyed, changed, completely changed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, destroyed. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like completely insane. They've created like a lake. Yeah. Out of or a shallow lake. lake, right? Just like fishing grounds for them, it seems like. They don't like, fish. Fish are just like, they don't fish. No, they don't fish. <laughs> that's a that's a common misconception. Yeah, they're they're uh, they um they provide a lot of habitat for fish, um and actually they're like a keystone species for many animals around them. But they are simply doing that for protection. Wow. So they're, they're, they're them. yeah they're they want to be able to swim around and feel safe in like an adequate depth of water where not a lot of animals can get to them. So that would be awesome, though, if they were making, like, aquaculture dams. <laughs> well, it's crazy. It's like these fish are, like, so close to the surface, right? Because this pond is so – they're, like, getting stuck up in mud and stuff, and there's, like, a bunch mm-hmm. of dead fish in this whole area. It's like, wow, this is, is kind of rough. <laughs> like, it smells horrible in this area now. There's just, like, rotting fish everywhere. Giardia yeah. everywhere. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's not good. Bunch of families. Pretty much, so like the Ohio River Valley, all the way up into Indiana and Illinois, used to just be like freaking swamps, though. Like, and then all the way up, I think, 
Indiana Illinois border too, and and like you hear Lewis and Clark talk about it, to where it was so many so thick with beaver and and dammed up that it was almost imp- impassable. Uh, you mm. wouldn't that what they said, Clay? Something like that. I remember you and I talked about well, that one time, but Lewis and Clark did start out on the Ohio, but then they made their way just down downstream to where the Ohio comes into the Mississippi mm-hmm. and then, and then they turned up and went against the stream of the Mississippi and then took that over to the Missouri. But I don't think that they were on the Ohio for very long. Whatever it um, was, it was in the Illinois area, Illinois, mm-hmm. Indiana area. They said it was almost impassable because it was so much, so many backwater sloughs and everything that the beavers created. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I think that that was totally common in the past for there just to be like beaver pond after beaver pond after beaver pond. You know, you just like constantly portaging. So thick, so thick in beaver. Awesome. Yeah, I found a lot of morels by there, so maybe beaver dams have good luck. Yeah, it's probably because they're killing all the trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're killing all the poplars and elms. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a win-win. So, um, Lorenzo, what is your favorite fall-time mushroom? I mean, my taki are what come to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think uh, just the abundance that they grow in blows my mind. I uh, yeah. I've had to like mute some people's stories who are finding a ton of my talkie because what? I'll what? have like because I can't see it, you know. If I'm doing stuff and I'm like working and have obligations and I can't be out looking and I see a bunch of people just scoring a ton of my talkie, it like you know makes me either like lose focus or just not get annoyed, but just like you know, I'm like ah. Why aren't I finding these? I need to be out looking. Like, I know they're out there. And, like, especially people that are in my zone, you know? Like, I follow dudes that are, like, in Columbus. And I'm like, how are you finding these? Where are you going? You know? So I just have to, like, always go to new parks. And I'm uh, maybe that, like, obsession of it will wear off a little bit. But I found, like, my first really massive one this year. And that was pretty epic. About half of it was edible. Um, Like, body parts were kind of kind of bugged up yeah yeah but i mean the stuff that i took home was 15 pounds and it was like the less dense lighter stuff mm-hmm. and everything i cut away and left there had to have been more than 15 pounds so i had i mean it was like heavy to hold yeah incredible i wish i could feel that <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna you don't grow have up them you. by you <laughs> no i don't no. We- no, I mean, uh, just like you said, though, I do. There's one guy that's a local to the area that um, posts my talkie pictures, but he's like, there's a lot of mushroom hunters by us, and almost nobody finds my talkies because there's people already finding them, or no, like, because no, oh, they, not a lot of them grow, yeah, not a lot of them. Okay. Grow. So, so because northern Michigan was uh, apparently, this is what some mycology people have told me because Northern Michigan was more recently logged than like Southern Michigan per se, per se for instance, um, we have less sizable oaks. 
Uh, and, and so like our oaks are a lot smaller than they are in southern Michigan, which is like par paradoxical because like, you know, southern Michigan is more populated with people and you think that there'd be more giant oaks by me. Yeah. But it's cool. the opposite. So I've only ever seen up here. I saw one maitake that looked like, you know, <laughs> it looked like the, <laughs> the, the size of like a softball and it was already like, like totally decayed so wow. are you i mean wh what size oaks are you because i only find them on on old growth like i don't ever find them on you know something that's you know a foot in diameter or something like that is that what you found it on clay um it was a it was a it was a smallish tree actually it wasn't oh. old growth but um Must but i have like sickly. so my my only maitake that i've ever found that was good was in kentucky and it was a, it was an oak tree. It was like a um, chestnut oak, and uh, it had it's it's probably not even that big of a tree. Oh. And um, and yeah, I found it there. So you only find them on giant trees, though. Old growths, yeah, and yeah. mostly on black oaks too. Um, that seems to be the the dominant species that they grow on is black oaks, and then like picture like you're in sleepy hollow or something like that's mm -hmm. if you can find a spot like that and you're walking through you're gonna find hella hens up in there okay for what sure. about you lorenzo yeah i found a medium-sized kind of smaller one on a really small oak and i could tell it had some damp like i looked up at the canopy and there was like obviously some branches that were damaged it looked like something you know something with the tree wasn't right so that kind of made sense to me but the giant one i found was on a giant oak tree mm. um so maybe like a bigger tree is you know putting off bigger specimen maybe i don't know um but the bigger trees i found like more fruit on them and where i live actually like in columbus around columbus we have have a lot of big oak trees in some small metro parks, small little pockets. Um, but you have to go like 45 minutes north. And there's a state park that's really well known for having a bunch of maitake, but it's super picked. So it's like you don't have any luck there because mm -hmm. everybody knows they grow there. Um, but it's amazing when you see some videos of people that are like scoring because it's just like tons of big oak trees. And because so many people are picking, the spores are just everywhere. And like all the trees have maitake growing on them. And it's just like, giant blobs growing <laughs> on every tree and it's amazing i mean it's like you know i'm like going back and forth with this guy in pennsylvania and you know they have like tons of old growth in northern parts of pennsylvania and he's like yeah i pulled 280 pounds this year and he's like <laughs> selling it he's like selling it to this um distributor that like sells to new york chefs yeah wow i've got he's a only getting i think five bucks a pound which is pretty sad i've got a buddy who picks five bucks he, he picks yeah, about 200 bro. pounds every year it's insane wow. bucks a pound. yeah it should be more should be like right i mean they go retail yeah. for like i bet the chefs pay 25 in new york yeah or 30 maybe yeah hmm so your but friend, your you have a friend Luke that gets two hundred pounds a year. Oh yeah, easily he goes nuts. That's amazing. And then he, is he near you? He, yeah, he pickles them. He um, puts he cans them. He puts them in like uh, red sauce and cans them, and mm -hmm. then uh, does like an olive oil sauce. That uh, that's one of my favorite ways to do it too. Except nice. lately, I've been using acorn oil, and mm. 
hens and then using instead of like oregano i've been putting bee balm in and mm. then i do like aleppo and um crushed red pepper in there as well yeah. kind of really mix it up a little bit sounds good love that so what I'm are you doing to, with uh, i ground a bunch in a i have a kitchen aid with like a meat grinder attachment and i roasted or no i took them raw and pushed them through the kitchen aid and ground them on the lar- largest dial and then roasted them and cooked out all the moisture. And I'm going to work with this local butcher shop that does like pastured meats and pork and stuff. And I'm going to put them in a sausage with like some wild oh, herbs nice. that I've foraged oh. and do them for my dinners. Oh, put them nice. in with like pork and dry shiso that I grew and dry stinging nettle and bee balm and some seeds probably like i have some fennel seeds that i grew and picked and a bunch of coriander seeds stuff like that nice yeah nice. yeah the mushrooms will i mean ground i think it'll be a cool like i i'm all for eating big chunks of mushrooms but sometimes i like them to be hidden hidden and more mm-hmm. inconspicuous ways yeah one of the best ways that i've ever eaten mushroom anything was uh madeline made a they were like chanterelle nuggets and i i I think i think it was like she ground up chanterelles and mixed them with uh chickpeas and then and 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 then like she she did something but like fried them or baked them i i I can't remember i'll have to get back to you about this but (laughs) um they were so good like absolutely amazing she made like some aioli sauce or something and we dipped. sounds like falafel yeah, so it was like it was like right. basically like kind of like falafel, but we we were just calling them uh, chanterelle nuggets. Yeah, and um, oh my god, they were so good. And yeah, That's you're right. Cool. You know, like you're totally right. Like sometimes it's like you don't want to eat a fried mushroom. <laughs> you just want you want to eat you want to eat like something yeah. else. Yeah, just like hide it a little bit. You know, like I think the ground and and I did a bunch in a batch of chili, and it was good, but like. Mm-hmm. Not everybody wants big old chunky pieces of mushrooms like I might, or, you know, I'm, I kind of got sick of it towards the end, having the giant pieces. And like, I think ground is a great way to bulk it up and you're getting all the nutrients, you know, all the micronutrients that like the beef doesn't necessarily like some, you know, grass fed beef might not, not necessarily have. It's like yeah. amazing to see the micronutrients that are in um, these wild mushrooms and plants. It's incredible. They just like, they're just demolish any cultivated counterpart yeah absolutely yep it's crazy. Um, so okay we've been going on about my takis and actually that's kind of a theme for many podcasts yeah. <laughs> is, uh, uh, devol- devol- uh, just like talking about my takis what other mushrooms do you really like to pick in the fall? That's because they're great yeah. play. don't be jealous because you don't have any and try and divert <laughs> yeah. the subject here we could go on for hours about this clay sorry you're <laughs> you just know? gonna have to sit there and be like well one day maybe i'll get to eat but, <laughs> yeah dude just come make it down yeah. during uh you know during the fall for like deer you season know. yeah if you there come you down right now clay and you go deer hunting <laughs> with me this week, okay? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, especially as this weather's warming up, we're going to have new flushes here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be in them so thick, you're going to have to have a bigger backpack, like a meat-hauling backpack, to haul out all these hens. <laughs> That's no joke. 
I've done that. I've done. I've got a picture to where I filled my entire pack. I shoved all my clothes down as far as I could, and luckily it was warm, so I didn't have that many layers. I shoved down in all the hens, got game bags, and then freaking put the hens in the game bags, and I walked out with like forty pounds of mushrooms on my back. That's awesome. Did you have the little like mushroom antlers hanging off your uh, your pack? No, but I had so like <laughs> my pack's got these horns on the side, and that's where I hung the game bags. So like okay. I planned on quartering up a deer and hiking out with it instead, mm-hmm. just hiked out with all these mushrooms. But it was incredible, and I was like, well, at least I'm not going home empty-handed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was it's like, like overwhelming bringing home that much mushroom. You yeah, know? my my wife was it like, is like, what a processing. are you doing? And she knew it was just going to be bugs all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, this is what I'm doing for the next two evenings. You know? (laughs) Literally just busting through chunks of mushroom or cutting off stems and dusting off chanterelles or whatever it is. down earwigs that are crawling out of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm uh, the... I guess I could like probably expand my repertoire of things that I'm looking for in the fall. I would say like the big thing for me right now is so many things have been coming out of the garden. Is that like, I've got all these chili peppers and all these like late tomatoes and I've got so much garden cleanup that I've been having to do that the foraging has taken like a little bit of a back. Um, I feel like I got my fix on my Taki. I've got so many preserved that I don't like want to keep hunting them. Um, but two years ago, this three pounds, three pound lion's mane fruited in this tree in the like outer edge of the city in the suburbs. And it didn't fruit last year. I literally went back every single week of September on October, trying to see if this thing would fruit and it never fruited. And, uh, this year it was back, dude. I just had this weird feeling. Like I was like (laughs) at a place near the tree that, um, that, that it fruits and, I was like, you know, I should go check. Like maybe I was thinking about the picture. It was like kind of around the same day and it was maybe two or three days too old. It was a little yellow on the outside, but it was there, dude. And it's like 12 feet up in the tree or maybe like 10 feet up in the tree. So I had to climb a ways and I like climbed up with my backpack open in my mouth and (laughs) had to do like a like heel hook situation and reach (laughs) up around this tree. And uh, it was like, pretty sketchy but there was no way i was leaving without getting that mushroom down from the tree i know that feeling (laughs) (laughs) or i would have come back with a pole or something you know um Mm -hmm. but that's pretty cool i've got the i'm doing alan burgo's crab cake recipe with it Mm. and i've got the mix like in the fridge resting and i'm gonna fry it up tomorrow very nice um lorenzo have you seen the video of luke climb, <laughs> cl- no. climb climbing the tree for the no. lion's mane no oh, you haven't okay so, that, so. so if you if you do go to the pig hunt and it's at the same spot i don't know if it will be at the same spot or not um but i was there last march <laughs> uh-huh. walk walking around and and i look up and i go holy crap <laughs> there's a bunch of lion's man at the top of this tree and um, I think it was Heresium coralloides, right? Yeah, it was in a, yeah, on an oak. Yep. Yep. And it was a big oak tree. And uh, I go back and I tell everybody and I'm like, oh, it's just going to be stuck up in the tree because it's like, what was it, like 20 feet up in the tree? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it took me four sticks. So that's, yeah, it's like 20, 20, 24 feet. 
I had him stretched okay. pretty far. Okay. So either way, <laughs> I, uh, I, Luke goes, Oh, I'll go get him with my climbing gear. <laughs> and he takes his like white tail climbing gear and climbs up this rickety oak tree. And I'm like, I'm like watching and I'm like, dude, this thing is going to fall down and he's just going to like smash into a bunch of pieces. And <laughs> luckily he made it. Um, but it was actually shaky. <laughs> when I got it wasn't bad until I got up to the last stick and then the whole tree was it was wiggling quite a bit. It was in the name of science though. You know what I yeah. mean? I ate yeah, it, was it worth and it? I made tinctures. Yeah. Absolutely. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, the heresiums aren't my favorite mushroom to just fry up and eat. What do you like to do? Just I'm hide, trying to find them. a way to I'm trying to find a way to really like them, honestly. Like the crab cakes are my uh next kind of try i mean you mix mayonnaise and a bunch of flavorings and ingredients yeah. and stuff with a uh, mushroom and it's going to taste good but especially the cultivated lion's manes i feel like are very kind of wet and get soggy when they're sauteed like mm. they're just such a wet mushroom um, yeah i don't love that wet sauteed texture it's a mushroom that my family universally hates <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, is that um, why you gave it all to me clay you're like you're not i tried giving you some and you're like nah nah it's fine you take it. yeah because uh <laughs> yeah like no i mean i uh so what we do with for lion's mane is is real simple we dry it out and then we just powder it and put it in soups there you okay. go you know and that way we get those micronutrients that you were talking about yeah um and we maybe get the flavoring but um yeah you know, it is a pretty slimy. It can be a pretty it's slimy. Slimy, yeah, it is. So, so the, in this recipe, you have to like you like steam the mushrooms, kind of. You like do a little saute with salt and water, and then you have to squeeze the moisture out of it because you don't want a bunch of moisture in your crab cake mix. And yep. the juice coming out of it is slimy. Yep, it's yeah. like aquafaba. You know, oh it's my like god, stretching down my hand into the into the container. Those are all those yeah. brain juices. Those I guess <laughs> I I put it right down the drain. I was like, <laughs> I was <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> not eating that and like i was reading you know i was like some people were putting it in their soups and stuff and i was like i'm sure if it's diluted enough it's not weird and slimy but this is just grossing me out so i had to dispose of that <laughs> oh, you could have probably put it in your garden yeah yeah that's true compost mm -hmm. pretty good yeah. we had lots of lots of composting action going on back here at my place Oh, cool. So you're also, you are, I take it, a real big gardener. You've mentioned that a couple of times. How big of a garden? You said your grandma had a big garden. Your mom Yeah, didn't. it's our whole a... backyard. I wish I could show you. I don't know how I could show you guys a picture right now, but yeah. it's massive. It's, I mean, our whole, I don't, I don't even know how big our backyard is. Maybe 80 feet long by like 30 feet or 40 feet wide. And, you know, there's a bunch of trails and some like grass going down the middle of it, but We've killed off 95% of our grass, replaced it with wood chip trails, wood raised beds. I've probably brought in like 
200 bags of compost organic compost from this place like nice doing trying to do the charles doubting like no dig method you know doing cardboard mm -hmm. to kill off our grass and put compost on top so just establish two more beds before winter so we can plant in the spring and like we're basically maxed out on space i mean we could do like planters on our fences if we wanted to like grow vertically but we need our paths so we can get like wheelbarrows and stuff around. Mm. Um, but two big raspberry rows, two big strawberry uh, strawberry raised beds. We've got um, two big rhubarb plants that have been producing a ton. Tons of herbs, um, like sages, bee balms, um, all the times, lavenders, lots of wildflowers got planted this year. We did corn. We had luck with corn. Grew like a bicolored kind of pretty blue and red corn. So I've got a bunch dried. I want to try and do like nixalize, you know, nixalize. Mm -hmm. uh, do the whole corn process with my own dried corn, or make like uh, pasole with some so of it or something. You're gonna like soak it in lime then, or um, yeah, yeah, or do lye, the whole boiling sorry, process. Lye. Yeah, yeah, yep. Is it lime or lye, so Clay? What is it's, it? It is both lime and lye. Yeah, so you can do it with limestone, crushed limestone, or you can do it with, um, yeah, actual ashes. Okay. So, like, that's what that's what apparently like uh, northern native people that didn't have access to limestone would have done was like soak it to make that pasole, you know, have that swell up yeah. and like kind of release. Um, but uh. Yeah, like Mexico, they would use crushed limestone. Yeah. Yeah. That's to make it more yeah, basic, really cool. right? Lime, limestone is basic, too. It's a base. Li limestone is just all over the dang earth. Yeah. No, no but it's I mean, I, like, it's basic, like on the pH scale. Oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, yes. oh, 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 I see. <laughs> yeah. uh, Not like basic white pitch or nothing. Basic but pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't answer. I can't answer that. Okay. You know what, Clay? I'm really disappointed in you right now. Yeah. Getting all scientific and whatnot, and here you are just sitting back, letting it happen. Yeah. All right. Well, Lorenzo, it's been awesome talking to you. We could probably go on for hours, but I know it's getting late, and that's why Clay isn't answering my questions right now. So, <laughs> um, if you could tell us where everybody could find you, find all your awesome content, and uh, if they want to follow you, uh, follow along with your journey as you cook and forage, where can they do that? Yep. Uh, website is LorenzoCooks.com. And then Instagram is Lorenzo Cooks with two underscores in between. Oh, you have two underscores also. Yep. Sadly, Lorenzo single underscore Cooks is taken. Oh, and guess Lorenzo what? Cooks is taken too. Yeah. So I have Clay two underscores Bowers, and I didn't do that. <laughs> it was an it was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried to just get one underscore or what? No, I never. I never went back and tried. I or just, even like, get rid of the underscore and just do a space. Might be a thing. Yeah. I'm gonna steal it now. Yeah, I'm gonna steal it on. There might not be. Yeah, just so we can't have it. <laughs> just keep it hidden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, and then I know it's not in the books yet, but me and Lorenzo were already uh, discussing to a possible winter collaboration. 
where like we do like a winter foraging class and then he's going to come potentially cook some meals. Yeah. That's got nothing to um, do with me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it, um, it could, it could have be something epic. to do with you. Yeah. No, I'm saying this it could have something to do with you. You could, uh, possibly come join. Um, and I was, um, just to get people amped up, maybe I was talking to my buddy who owns a mobile sauna about bringing his mobile sauna. What is it with you and saunaing with dudes? Dude, I like it. <laughs> Saunas are great. Hey, yeah. bro. No, I get it. But there's an inside <laughs> joke. Clay's brother was there for it. Uh, it was just the vibe and the way Clay said it. And I understand Clay is just super innocent and naive. Like, so he doesn't understand when he says things. Sometimes they come off wrong. <laughs> because in his mind it's normal and it's like bro been missing you where you at haven't sounded with you in a while but but it wasn't like that it there was a different tone and connotation to it to where someone might misconstrue it and it happened he multiple like times cheated. he felt cheated on yeah, or something yeah yeah uh, like a woman scorned no. But anyway, no, no, because no. <laughs> let me tell Lorenzo the backstory. There's no I, backstory. I, yeah, I am a devoted sonai or whatever oh. you say. Yeah, so I, I, I used to. I haven't actually. I haven't had. I haven't gone in in a in a minute. But I used to go for years. In a hot minute. So, hey. You know, <laughs> and and so when Luke was here in town, we bumped into multiple people that I you know sauna with. It's, would see in the sauna all the time and i'd be like hey haven't seen you buddy you know yeah <laughs> and, and then, he's like oh what's a sauna it wasn't just myself to? though his brother <laughs> even looked at him and was like you're coming off as a little weird bud coming off as a little weird. <laughs> and that's from well, his own brother so yeah but my my brother also um is never serious so well, you... i mean yeah but <laughs> I'm running with the joke, whether it's yeah. serious or not. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so we will potentially be having a mobile sauna set up um, at any event that we do come up with, wherever that ends up being. Yeah, lots awesome. of snow. Uh, yeah, lots of snow. Yeah, um, we'll yeah. Be... I don't have. I don't know if I have like the snow gear to prepare to be prepared for winter in the UP. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we might we might end up we might end up just doing it around here. And 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 then you will uh, luck out and not have uh, four feet of snow. Maybe we'll only have three. Oh, Oh, that's that's no big deal. Three feet of snow is nothing. No problem. Just post my barefoot. My barefoot shoes should hold up great. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway. So yeah, it was a it was a really fun time talking to you, dude. Um, I think that uh, you're. You're really cool and inspiring, and I like all the stuff that you're cooking. And um, I also just think you're just a really chill dude. When I met you, and you know, I said, "Hey, why don't we go out to eat afterwards?" And you were like totally down, and you just came and joined us, and we went out to yeah. eat. And um, yeah, you're just like an easygoing guy. Really, like that's what I I like really like about being around you is that like you're not weird. You know, yeah. you're just like, just like <laughs> well, you know, wait a minute, I'm, I'm the, uh, right. Weird in the good way. Not like a weirdo. Right. Yeah. 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 You're not, you're not like a weirdo. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Not yeah. a weirdo. Yeah. Right. Let's yeah. just be clear here. Cause I'm pretty sure yeah. we're all on the spectrum somewhere. I'm, yeah, I'm guessing. For sure, for sure, Otherwise for we sure. wouldn't be into this. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, dude, that was that was super cool to get to connect, and uh, the Ethiopian was sweet. I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'll go get food with you guys." No doubt, no. you know, <laughs> yeah. it was cool, cool to get yeah. to talk a little more, and uh, the class was great. I'll definitely, you know, definitely be taking more next year. Sweet man, learned, learned right. a lot. Right. Well, nice talking to you, dude. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yeah. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you could check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.